Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to reintroduce to you now. Jen Stevens is a returning guest on our show. Be sure to check out her first appearance in episode 48 of Balanced Body Radio. That episode was our most popular and most downloaded episode we ever have recorded. Wow. We also hosted her in episode 278 as well, all about her book, Cleanish, Eat Mostly Clean, Live Mostly Clean, and Unlock Your Body's Natural Ability to Self-Clean, written in 2022. Jen Stevens is the author of several other best-selling books, including Fast, Feast, Repeat, which she wrote in 2020. 2020 and was an instant New York Times and USA Today bestseller. And Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle was a number one Amazon bestseller in the weight loss category. Jin has been living the intermittent fasting lifestyle since 2014. This lifestyle shift allowed her to lose over 80 pounds and launch her intermittent fasting website, Facebook support groups, several self-published books, and three top-ranked podcasts. She hosts Intermittent Fasting Stories and co-hosts the Intermittent Fasting Podcast and Life Lessons. Today we'll be discussing her latest book, 28 Day Fast Start Day by Day, the ultimate guide for starting or restarting your intermittent fasting lifestyle. So at six, Jen Stevens, what an absolute honor it is to welcome you to Balanced Body Radio. Thank you. It's so glad to be here. And I got to say, I've actually got different podcasts now. <laughs> I am still hosting intermittent fasting stories. Um, I left the intermittent fasting podcast in 2022 after five years on that show and um, Sherry and I closed down the Life Lessons podcast this summer, and we have a new podcast called Fast, Feast, Repeat, Intermittent Fasting for Life, um, because basically <laughs> people just kept asking us for intermittent fasting stuff, so that podcast is going great. So I've got two right now, Intermittent Fasting Stories and Fast, Feast, Repeat, Intermittent Fasting for Life, but okay. everything else was right. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, now, that's funny, because right before this interview, I've, I've been listening to your your podcast to make sure that they were current, because I know you've done right. several podcasts, written several books, and you talked to me off air about how busy you were, which we've covered in previous podcasts as well. So I must have confused the Intermittent Fasting podcast with your new one, with your new rebranding. And I did see yeah. that the life lessons, there hadn't been a new episode in a few months. Yeah. So I did question whether that one um, was kind of left to kind of hang out for now. Well, my co-host on that one, Sherry Bullock, she's been a, a friend. She actually started off as a moderator in my old Facebook groups years and years ago. We no longer have the Facebook groups. We've moved to an off Facebook platform for a private community. But she, she's she been my friend for a while. And we did the Life Lessons podcast together for two and a half years. And it was a lot of fun. But like I said, people wanted to hear fasting stuff from us. So she and I decided to shift to, all right, you know, y'all are asking for it. So we we shifted and we're loving the, the format of Fast, Feast, Repeat. It's different. Of course, intermittent fasting stories, you can imagine it's stories. I talked to one intermittent faster every week. But for Fast, Feast, Repeat, we share celebrations that listeners send in. We answer questions from listeners. We talk about the research. Um, every now and then we'll have a guest. So it's a completely different format and we're having a lot of fun with it. Our two and a half years with Life Lessons helped us know how to work together really, really well. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed that part where you were getting the, the, you know, the stories and the questions from the listener and you guys were kind of going yeah. back and forth. You can tell that you guys vibe together so well. I know you guys have worked together for a very, very long time at this point. And um, it's great information and it's information that needs to get out there because this topic is just so important. And speaking of, just like we mentioned in the introduction, your podcast episode that we did with you, number 48, almost, almost three years ago is the most downloaded episode we've ever done. 
And I think you'll yeah. know, like as a podcaster, if you look at your numbers every now and again, you'll see like your total downloads and you'll scroll down and you'll see like how many of the individual episodes are downloaded on a particular day or month or whatever it is. And you know, the older you go, obviously the less and less they get downloaded. Yours, your episode just has like constant, like daily downloads. And for whatever reason, it's more popular on Spotify than it is on Apple Podcasts. It's the only episode wow. that is like that. I have no idea what is going on, but congrats. <laughs> Well, thank you. That's cool. <laughs> you know, I love to spread the message of intermittent fasting everywhere. And that's really, that's my mission in life. That's great. Yeah. Well, um, make sure you rub it into the likes of like Dr. Ben Bickman or Dr. Ted Naiman and all these wonderful people we've also hosted on our show and be like, yeah, I, I've done more than you. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's worth a flex. And we also mentioned in the introduction that we brought you on after you wrote your book, Cleanish. What have you been working on right. since then? Well, you know, I'm very busy just in general. You know, for a while, I was doing three podcasts at once, which is a lot. And even now, I when I left the Intermittent Fasting podcast, I took Intermittent Fasting stories to two days a week because there are just so many people that want to tell their story that I had to release two episodes a week. So I record podcasts at least really four days a week because you have to schedule if you're going to release Three, you have to record, you know, you have to plan for cancellations and things. So I've been recording podcasts at least three days a week and I run my online community and I'm in and out of there all day long. And um, it's a wonderful place. People can find it if they go to jenstevens.com slash community. Um, and Jen is like Jen and Tonic Stevens with a PH, but I spend a lot of time on there. I love, you know, I'm a teacher. My background, I was an elementary classroom teacher and I love to help people with things. That's just, you know, how I'm wired and so I love running the community with intermittent fasters who, you know, may be having struggles or maybe they have questions, they have celebrations. And so I spend a lot of time doing that. And I told my editor I was never going to write another intermittent fasting book after a fast feast repeat. Um, and then uh, I realized there was a hole in what we needed. And it was um, the idea that that came to my latest book, 28 Day Fast Start Day by Day, that is um, available for pre-order right now, coming out December 26th. So I've been working on that. Between now and when it comes out, and you're recording this a little early, I still have to record the audiobook for it. Um, and you know, they, they're on a tight deadline with that. Luckily, they're always used to doing the audiobook at the last minute because of the way they have to wait till the end for all the changes. But, you know, I just stay busy. Yeah, you're always busy. Um, and I've heard reading your own audiobook is absolutely daunting. Have you done that in the past? It's so hard. <laughs> oh, I've, I've read all of them. The first one, Delayed on Deny, I self-published that book. And so I was like a one-man show. And people kept asking. I wrote it at the end of 2016. And people kept asking me for an audiobook, but I didn't know how to do that. So I had a friend that was a radio talk show host. And he hooked me up with the guy who did editing for the radio station. And I went in. I don't even know if the radio station like knew we did it. But the, the guy's like, just go in. He'll help you. And so I paid the guy <laughs> to edit for me. And I got that book done myself. But with my traditionally published books, um, starting with Fast, Feast, Repeat, that one, the audiobook for, I think is 11 hours. And I read the wow. whole thing. And then Cleanish, I think the audiobook is 14 hours. Yeah, it's a big book. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it is a huge book. And what a lot of people don't know is when I re read the book for Cleanish, it was um, November of 2021. 
and I had COVID. I had oh, like no. COVID. My temperature was 102 the whole time I read the audiobook. And I'm like, you know, steaming my voice and taking little naps. But I, I did it. You know, I was like I said, I was a teacher and we can do anything. <laughs> so I worked through. I mean, it was it was back when COVID was still bad COVID, you know, <laughs> really hard COVID. Yeah. And I did it. It was it was no joke. I had a fever for like 10 days, but I got the whole book read <laughs> and it doesn't come through in the, in the book. <laughs> that is amazing. That it is so savage. You're a champ. I love that. <laughs> well, it is it is a, it's such a daunting task. You're right. But it's worth doing. And my people know my voice because they listen yeah. to my podcast. And so it has to be in my voice. Yeah, so I agree with that 100%. You've got a great voice and it's awesome that you're reading it out. And you also get to um, oftentimes pick up on the path passion of the person who, who is doing the reading, who did the writing. So uh, very cool that you have that going on. Um, I do want to talk about your new book that's coming out. It will okay. be, um, you know, coming out here in a few weeks on, by the date of release, we're recording this in October. That's just going to, I already know it's going to blow me away that December is going to come this quick when I'm listening to this again on my phone, um, you know, in December. But before we do that, it's been a minute since we've had you on. So let's hear your story as it relates to intermittent fasting. How did you find intermittent fasting? What things, um, kind of problems did it solve for you in your life? That's a great question. You know, when I um, first found intermittent fasting, it was because I was struggling with my weight, like so many people. And I was just a, a dietaholic, right? Because nothing was working. I was going from diet to diet and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, I'm a researcher. I have a, a doctorate in gifted education. I love to learn things and I love to solve problems. So I thought, surely I can solve my problem of being overweight and why am I you know, continuing to gain weight and, and nothing will stick. So I first heard about intermittent fasting in somewhere around 2009. And I literally would haunt the Amazon diet category. Like if I didn't have anything to do, I would go to the Amazon diet category and see what were the top 10 books. And have I read that one? Have I read that one? And I would read the reviews and... Then I would order the book and try it, all of that. And I would go to the bookstore and read all the diet, you know, the titles and say, what have I not tried? And so I was just really, you know, in tune to what was going on in the world of diets, but I could not lose the weight. I mean, I could do something for a while, like my doctor gave me diet pills and I lost weight, but that's not sustainable and it's really bad for you. And, you know, I did the whole crazy HCG diet with injections also from your doctor. Well, that didn't go well and I gained all that weight back. So <laughs> 2009, I, I heard about different types of intermittent fasting, Brad Pilon's Eat, Stop, Eat, Ori Hoffmeckler, The Warrior Diet. These are all the, the OG fasting books. You know, we had um, Bert Herring Fast 5, but then we also had some stuff going on with um, the 5-2 diet, Dr. Michael Mosley, which is based on Krista Verity's work with alternate daily fasting. She had a book called The Every Other Day Diet. So every single one of those things that I just mentioned, I dabbled in from 2000. And, oh, not to forget the eight-hour diet. Um, David Zim, his last name starts with a Z. I, he also did the Eat This, Not That books. Hmm. See, oh, I'm yeah, like yeah. a diet, his, diet historian. Yeah. <laughs> I could be like diet jeopardy, I would win. Um, but... <laughs> I tried all of those, but I would dabble in them. The fun part is every single one of those programs, books that I just discussed, all of them were based on the premise that intermittent fasting only works because you're eating fewer calories. So intermittent fasting is a way for you to structure your eating so that you're eating fewer calories. That is what every single person talked about in those days. 
And that is what we all really thought. And so I didn't understand metabolic flexibility. I didn't understand, you know, what it meant to be metabolically flexible and able to burn your own fat for fuel. I didn't understand that it took time to work up to that. I certainly didn't understand the clean fast, which I can talk about a little bit later. But I basically would dabble here and there, try a little bit of fasting, a couple of days, then something would happen over the weekend. I wasn't doing it anymore. Then on Monday, I would try again. It was really, really hard. I didn't understand why it was so hard. So I never lost any weight with intermittent fasting. And then in 2014, I went on a cruise with my family, saw the cruise pictures, got back home, weighed myself. I was 210 pounds. I was obese. And I was like, you know what? I got to do something. And again, you know, I've dabbled in a few things here and there. The whole summer of 2014, I tried keto because everybody was doing keto. Well, a lot of people were doing keto in that summer. And by that point, Facebook groups had really started coming around. So I was in a whole bunch of those. No matter how I tweaked my macros, though, I never lost a pound and I felt awful. They're like, well, you're just not ketoing hard enough. So I'd keto harder, right? <laughs> never lost a pound. When school got back started in the, the fall of 2014, I was like, you know, I can't, I can't live like this. This is terrible. So I pulled back out old trusty Fast Five Diet and Lifestyle, Dr. Burke Hearing. It was a five-hour daily eating window, 19-5 approach. And I was like, I reintroduced all the carbs, started intermittent fasting. But this time something was different. I finally started losing weight. And I really think that time that I did keto, I'd become fat adapted because I was, you know, in ketosis all the time because I was, but I was eating so much fat and my body, you know, the metabolic adaptation required for ketosis had occurred. So I can remember I had like this keto breathalyzer that I had gotten when I was trying keto and it was an old one. You had to plug it in, wait for it to warm up and blow into it. And I would always blow really, really high on key, you know, breath ketones. Still wasn't losing any weight on keto. But when I switched to intermittent fasting, I added back all the carbs. I remember a couple of weeks in, I was like, I just ate a burger and fries. And I feel like I'm in ketosis. And I blew into it. I was blowing ketones on my breath. And I'm like, wait a minute, can we get into ketosis from fasting? And so I started to understand a little bit more about it. The difference is that is the time I didn't stop. I didn't stop. And I lost about a pound a week until I you know, reached my goals. Um, and I lost over 80 pounds by the time all was said and done. So that was a long-winded answer to that. But you know, at the beginning, intermittent fasting is something I did because I was obese and I wanted to lose the weight. And it worked. But since then, it's done so much more for me that I didn't even know what intermittent fasting could do. Because again, like I said, all we thought was it was just a more efficient way of eating fewer calories. But it's so much more than that. And I didn't really understand that until I read the Obesity Code that came out in 2016. Yeah, an amazing book. I can't recommend that highly enough. That's the book that helped me understand what I was seeing on my end. Same kind of thing that you mentioned. You and I have talked about this before. When I'm using a metabolic cart and validating metabolism, resting metabolic rate on people who are telling me they're not eating all that much food, but it's just in a tight window. How come their metabolic rates are so much higher than they should be when somebody who calorie restricts comes in and it's always a lot lower? And I couldn't, you know, yeah. reconcile those things until the work of Jason Fung and kind of, you know, helped us understand why fasting would help increase.
increase your metabolic rate and help you burn even more calories, which is awesome. It's exactly right. what you want to do if you do want to lose weight. And one thing that I just, I absolutely want to point out, I love this about your story. As always, we're kind of fans of the carnivore diet around here, but knowing you and your history, you don't do well with meat. You have tried over and over. You do really well on a plant-based whole food type diet with intermittent fasting. That's great. That's awesome. I, I just, I always want to try to point out the fact that we, we don't know everything about every little thing that's going to work for every person all the time. It's just, it, it's so important to be really, um, you know, we're working to kind of find out how things are working for you. Oh, can I blow your mind even some more? Let's do it. <laughs> Have you ever um, read any of the work from the Mastering Diabetes guys, Cyrus and Robbie? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. They are they are fantastic. And yeah, they wrote a book, Mastering Diabetes. It came out in 2020, I believe. And I read it and they're whole food plant-based. And at that time, you know, I was certainly not ready to do any kind of whole food plant-based. I love dairy. <laughs> I love a good burger. You know, I talked about that already. I love eggs, all of that. And so I was like, well, this is great for them, but this is not for me. So um, fast forward, you know, I started learning more about the gut. I went through Zoe, which is personalized nutrition and figuring out what works for you based on the way your body clears fat and clears blood glucose. And turns out my body doesn't clear fat very well. And I'm like, huh, that's really interesting. And that's not true for everybody. Some people have bodies that clear fat very, very well. So Lately, I've gone back to, you know, reread Mastering Diabetes this year. I'm currently doing an experiment right now. Um, you know, Cyrus, they're, they're, Robbie and Cyrus that wrote Mastering Diabetes, they are both type 1 diabetic. So they understand, obviously, very clearly insulin needs because they use insulin every day to stay alive as type 1 diabetics. And they actually talk about how a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet is fantastic for lowering your insulin needs. It has to do with insulin resistance. So I'm experimenting right this minute. You know, I've been pretty much whole-food, plant-based-ish. Like when I go out to eat, like the other night, I had lobster rolls at a restaurant. So I'm not like, you know, <laughs> a hardcore. I like the ish in my life. But at home, I'm pretty much plant-based. But I'm, I just popped on a CGM and... um I'm doing an experiment right now with whole food plant-based and I'm not adding olive oil when I'm cooking and I'm doing a lower fat approach just to see. And I'm like really testing their hypothesis there of you know, what they say about fat. And oh my gosh, I'm noticing an amazing difference in my morning blood sugar levels. It's it's pretty, pretty astonishing. Wow. You know, the, the whole food plant-based lower fat, you would think that my blood sugars would be like insanely crazy. No, it's incredible. Last night, my meal was, I mean, I had like, I had like opened my window with farro and tomatoes and it, I don't even remember what was on spinach It's and sourdough bread. And then uh, for dinner, I had couscous. It was a uh, glazed carrots glazed with maple syrup wow. and more sourdough bread. Now, would you think my blood sugar would go crazy? Absolutely, I would, yeah. It went up to 112. Wow. And then I know. And then it came down nicely while I was sleeping. And what's funny is when the last time I wore a CGM was in June and I was eating all the foods at that time. I wasn't doing plant-based. I was still eating meat. I was eating dairy, all of that. And um, my blood sugar was staying very steady, you know, when I, after my dinner, you know, I was eating a mixed meal of, you know, fats, carbs, and protein, meat, dairy, all of that, plenty of butter. I have some data from June. The next morning, my blood sugar 
when I woke up at like six in the morning was like 120. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, whatever it is, it seems to be true for my body. I do better with less fat. And so it's, I mean, do I want to hear that? No, butter is delicious. I love it. And I'm just doing it to experiment now because I don't need to lose weight. I'm not trying to lose weight. But, you know, my dad is going through some health struggles. He's a type 2 diabetic. And I don't want to go through those things later on. So amazingly, what they're saying, you know, I'm putting it to the test with my, you know, eating sourdough bread and couscous and carrots with my blood sugar. I like, I have been shocked at what what I woke up to this morning with my blood sugar already low. I'm talking like in the seventies and staying there. I haven't eaten yet today. I feel amazing. So those guys are onto something. So that's great. I think it keeps us all humble in the nutrition world, and it's so important to be inquisitive about yourself. N of one studies don't matter unless it's your N of one. I think it was Peter Bruckner that pointed that out to us. Yeah. Like you, that is the most important study you could ever have in your life. Is how do you feel? Well, how are things going? You know, I'm a big believer in bio individuality, and that we're all different. We all have a different gut microbiome. Some people can't. We all the same things don't work for us. Like I talked about the Zoe study, they found my body doesn't clear fat well. Like they they. They test your blood and then they look at it and my body did not clear fat well. That was shown with a scientific test. And that's really interesting. And so maybe other people who clear fat very, very well would have a very different response than me. But it, it's super interesting to 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 do this experimenting with, you know, just for the sake of, you know, my own health yeah. and see how I feel. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that there's lots of other benefits to intermittent fasting. I believe one of them is kind of like anti-aging, anti-inflammation. And that is definitely happening with you. Every time I get to see you, you're younger and younger and younger than you were the last time I saw you, which makes no sense unless you've been in this world for a little while and you're watching other people. Yeah, I'm 54. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I really... Well, thank you. I one one reason I look younger is I started bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. A good friend of mine is a functional medicine ABGYN, cool. and last June she's like, "You you need to do something about this because you know female hormones will you're not having the hormones will age you." And I didn't know any of that because they don't really tell us. And there's a lot of people who actively tell us not to do That's it right. for you know the, the the misinterpreted study from back in the day. And so I have seen a, a lot of change in my skin just from using the bioidentical hormone replacement therapy that, you know, balancing my hormones back to how they they should have been. But I also really do think that yeah, I have less inflammation because I'm eating the foods that work really well for my body. Yeah, absolutely. As someone who's pretty plant-based, you know, the the higher quality, you know, the more whole food plant-based I eat, the better I feel, which That's is... Great shocking. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. I don't want to miss this. I think, uh, diet, okay. diet jeopardy, I think sounds like an awesome game show. You mentioned HCG, but as you look back in hindsight, like what was your, like, what was the strangest diet you ever found yourself on? Well, I mean, it might've been HCG because the HCG diet and, you know, look, every single one of these diets was like written by a doctor and it sounds so good. And it was basically, they like take HCG, which is pregnancy hormone. <laughs> And they extract from like the urine of pregnant mares or something. And then they like, you take the shot and then it's supposed to like fool your body into thinking you're pregnant. So your metabolism doesn't slow down on 500 calories a day. Yeah, It was crazy. Knowing what I know now, I would like to go back and tell myself, don't do that. But it was written by a doctor and he's sharing the secrets and you get it at a doctor's office. So it sounds so legit because doctors are giving it to you. Right. And so- 
tons tons of clinics popped up around here in the salt lake city area and i didn't think it was a great idea to do that but but that was definitely one whatever they claimed it was going to do for metabolism that was definitely one that i have personal experience measuring lots and lots of people and their metabolic rates completely tanked i'm talking like yeah well apparently that was a bunch of crap yeah yeah but that was the theory right the doctor, Dr. Simeons, look, I know all these things about diets. Dr. Simeons was a doctor that worked in the 50s and he noticed how pregnant women, you know, the everything, the body would protect itself. So the baby, you know, even if they were in a famine, the baby would survive. So it like did something different. Anyway, that was the theory. But after doing HCG, that is when my body really, you know, first I did the diet pills, then I needed the HCG and then my metabolism tanked. Yeah. And then for a few years, I was just like, who cares? So I think I, you know, unex- without meaning to, I reversed diet. Right. <laughs> so I boosted my metabolism. Yeah. So when I was 210 pounds and not dieting at all, cause I'd given up, yep. you know? Yep. I was just oh. thinking if there's no other beneficial thing, it would be that like, yeah, you're going to gain a lot of weight by going completely off the diet, but you are going to recover yeah. the metabolic rate. You'll start to feel warmer and have more energy and all that stuff will start exactly. to come back, which is yeah. Yep. Great. It's one of the best things you could do. Um, okay. So you write books about fasting. You do podcasts about right. fasting. You know, you wrote cleanish and kind of stepped away a little bit from the fasting world, still maintaining everything that you were doing. But what, what did you observe in the fasting world that, that you identified as a gap that this new book is now ready to fill? Well, you know, fast feast repeat. When I wrote it, I, I had the goal to write the because, you know, I'm a diet book aficionado. I remember all the years prior to people using keto, everyone did Atkins. Remember that? Low carb was synonymous with Atkins. And I can't tell you how many times I bought Dr. Atkins' new diet revolution in all the different forms. And I actually had more than one edition because I thought low carb was going to work for me. It never did. But when I, and now we know why, but when I wanted to write Fast Feast Repeat, I wanted to write the comprehensive book about intermittent fasting that would stand the test of time. 10 years from now, it would be just as relevant. And it would be the kind of book that people would recommend to their friends. And they're like, well, how did you do it? Here, read this book, Fast Feast Repeat. And I think I did a really good job writing a very comprehensive and complete book. And that is the biggest strength of Fast Feast Repeat, but it's also a weakness because there's so much information in it. If you start on page one and read straight through your brain is going to be so very full. And some people just aren't ready for all that at once. And so there's a chapter in Fast Feast Repeat called the 28-Day Fast Start. It tells you what to do. But people get lost because then they keep reading and then there's all this stuff in there. So I'm like, you know, some people have friends and family members that they want to do intermittent fasting, but they're not going to read Fast Feast Repeat. And I need to have a way to get them just what they need when they need it. So that is why I wrote 28 Day Fast Start Day by Day, because I realized people really needed that little extra bit of handholding for the first 28 days. And so that was the teacher in me. You know, I know the school teacher in me said, oops, there's we need something for the people who need just a little more support. So 28 Day Fast Start Day by Day was written. You know, I'm great at delivering curriculum. That's my that was my job and pacing it out in a way that's understandable. So I wrote the book for people, you know, before you even begin, you know, I'm setting up the the reader for success. Like, you know, what are the most common problems? The subtitle of the book is the ultimate guide for starting or restarting your intermittent fasting lifestyle. So it sticks. Notice that restarting part, because I've realized over the years, 
there are a lot of people who go over and over and over starting over, right? They start over, then they quit. Then they start over, then they quit. Then they start over, then they quit. And so I'm trying to plant the seed that this is a lifestyle from day one. And why do people quit? And why are you not going to quit? And part of that also is before they even start fasting at all, they have to craft a really strong why statement. And if your only why is, I want to lose weight as quickly as I can, then you're probably not going to be ready for intermittent fasting. Come back to it when you're ready for something different. Because intermittent fasting is an amazing, healthy way to live. But I could tell you, 15 ways to lose weight more quickly than intermittent fasting. Of course, they're going to take your metabolism. They're not going to be sustainable. You're going to gain it all back. Intermittent fasting is different than that. It, but it's not the quickest thing you'll ever do, but it will change your body forever and it will change your life forever. So I want people to start with all in their mind about their why. And, you know, for me, I talked about my dad being a type 2 diabetic. My why today, after watching my dad and his health decline, my why would be different than the why I had in 2014, which was just, I want to wear my size 6 pants. Well, I'm sitting here right now in size 0 pants. I never dreamed I would be wearing size 0 pants that I bought, by the way, the ones I'm wearing right now, I think I bought them in 2016 and they still fit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so I have been accustomed to saying that like intermittent fasting for me is like gold standard of what will work for a majority of people, you know, primarily for that weight loss, like we talked about for different other things as well. I think it's one of the very best things you can do. I don't think you have to be as picky about your diet when you're on it. I think people do benefit from staying on some type of a diet when they're, when they are eating, but it seems to work for many people. And I've, I've watched it work for lots of my clients. And it's, it, you know, once you get into it, it's fairly difficult without having that. Why the hunger is going to be really tough or breaking up with foods. You think you can't go without will be a little bit challenging, but what are some of the top reasons that people do quit the diet despite having good success with it? Well, I think it's it's like the normal reason. I've realized over the past few years how big of a problem actually emotional eating is for people. And people just, they'll, they'll have a hard season of life and then they just comfort themselves with food. And that has not been something I do necessarily. So that's been like kind of a, realizing that that is such a problem for people has, has been eye-opening for me. And, you know, how do we help people not get into that cycle of emotional eating and then they're just it never makes you feel better in the long run right it just it gives you that temporary hit in your brain and so helping people have better coping mechanisms while they're fasting that that's really really important you know because we're all going to have stress stress in our life and we've got to figure out how to deal with it and so the old friend that helped us get through it might have been eating all the time or having snacks. And so sometimes people just go back to what they knew. So that's one reason that people will will stop or they'll go on a vacation or have a holiday season and they're like, oh, intermittent fat, fasting is flexible. I'll just have really, you know, whatever. I'll stop doing it just for this two-week period. Then I'll jump back on. Well, it's not just quite so easy to jump back on. Um, because your body has refilled its glycogen stores and now you're having to push through a few hard days. And so that can be a problem as well um, with people. And another thing that really causes people to, to quit is watching their friend do something that's working faster. You know, the the latest injections that people are doing, you know, the Ozempic and, and the like. And, you know, they may have a friend that is... Um, losing weight super rapidly. And maybe they've been doing intermittent fasting and they're losing at a pound a week. 
And that doesn't look very sexy when your friend is over there dropping weight like crazy. Of course, your friend isn't telling you about the nausea and the whatever else side effects that they're going to go through. And that the minute they stop taking it, the weight's going to come back. So, but that that's something that happens all the time or their friend will be selling a program and they're doing the pro. Anyway, people are always looking for quick weight loss. And, and so they have unrealistic expectations. So having realistic expectations of, first of all, what's going to happen for you, how long it's going to take. You might need to clean up your diet and make some changes. And, you know, all those things, it's it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some discipline. And, and it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. The vacation one, I think, is a really big one. I do see that one all the time where people, you know, they want to go to, you know, kind of chill out when they're going on vacation. They do a cruise or go to an all-inclusive in Mexico or whatever. And, you know, a few things sneak in. And it's really hard to get them back out when you return home. You get rehabituated to a lot of the, you know, kind of crappy yeah. foods. And I think what most people only remember is the first time they really adapted to this way of living and how difficult it was the first time without realizing it might be a little bit easier the second time or the third time, if you right. really kind of fell off, fallen off, it would be easier to get back on this time. But you only yeah, it remember. only takes a few days. Yeah, it only takes a few days. You know, your body doesn't lose metabolic flexibility over a week long cruise, but you're going to be a little sluggish until you deplete your glycogen stores and get back into the the rhythm of fasting again. But you can do it. And you know, the thing about it when you're when you're metabolically flexible and you're consistent with intermittent fasting, it is not hard. It just sounds like it's going to be hard. It's hard at the beginning. It's hard till you adapt. It can be hard. I actually think it's harder emotionally than it is physically because we're so used to, like I said before, comforting ourselves with food. You know, having a creamy cup of coffee in the morning. You know, it's a ritual, and now your Jen's asking me to drink black coffee instead, and not put any sweetener in it, and then it just feels like you're suffering. And <laughs> but the metabolic benefits and the health benefits are so profound that you know when you really understand the clean fast and what that does for you you would not trade that for all the creamy coffee in the world yeah we're going to be definitely talking about the coffee for sure and related oh, yeah. related to that um in the you know the first chapter of your book you're talking about the clean fast so you, can you tell us mm -hmm. what a clean fast is yep and i actually originated the term the clean fast in i think it was in 2017 i'd already written my first book delay don't deny and we i didn't use the words clean fast in that but it kind of came up in my intermittent fasting support groups that we had like you know you need to stick to black coffee plain water plain sparkling water plain tea and by tea i mean actual tea not like the whole tea aisle of all the stuff that's not really tea and you know, don't put lemon in your water and don't all the, you know, the sweeteners and the creamers and all that. And so we just started trying to differentiate what we were doing. And so I started saying, you know, you want to fast really clean. And so eventually we just started using the term the clean fast and it stuck. And so now, you know, I think most people have heard of like clean fasting or dirty fasting and all that. And that started in our Facebook groups. I actually don't like the word dirty fast because I feel like you're either fasting clean or you're not really fasting. You know, if you had to have fasted blood work or have fasted surgery, you wouldn't tell the surgeon, well, all I had was some cream in my coffee. I did a little dirty fast. He'd be like, well, you're not having surgery. You know, <laughs> you can't fool the body. Um, but 
the reason we want to fast clean is when we understand what's going on in the body. You know, why is fasting different than a low calorie diet? And it has to do with all, you know, the fasting goals, what's going on, what's different. So we have three fasting goals for the clean fast. And when you understand those three fasting goals, you understand why you really want to fast clean. You you wouldn't do it any other way when you understood. So the first reason we want to fast clean is because we want to get our insulin down. So you've had Dr. Benjamin Bickman on. So he talks about insulin. The last thing we want to do is have constantly high circulating levels of insulin for multiple reasons. In his book, While We Get Sick, we learned that chronic high levels of insulin, hyperinsulinemia is linked to like all the metabolic issues that we're going through. So many things that that we're facing these days. And so we need to get insulin low for our health, but also insulin, high levels of insulin, um, insulin's a storage hormone. And so if we want to tap into fat for fuel, we have to have low levels of insulin so our body can release the fat. So we want to keep insulin low. And we do that by not doing anything that will stimulate our body to release insulin. Well, what causes an insulin response? Eating. So obviously we're not going to eat, but a sweet taste can cause a cephalic phase insulin response or just any taste that makes your brain think food's coming in because our brains are like, okay, you know, I know that sweetness, maybe you just had a Diet Coke and zero calorie, but your brain doesn't get it. Your brain's like, ooh, sweetness. We're going to have a hit of glucose coming in because sweetness is associated with a blood sugar rise in our brains. And so goes ahead and signals the pancreas. We have our cephalic phase insulin response pump out some insulin, except we really didn't have any glucose coming in. So we we don't want to be, you know, sipping on those sweet flavored beverages, you know, constantly causing our pancreas to release more insulin. And that goes with anything that's going to be food-like or food flavored. That's where all those, you know, fruity flavored teas come in. We want to avoid those. That's why we don't put lemon in our water or we don't drink sparkling waters with flavors. We don't put anything in our coffee that or we don't drink flavored coffee like hazelnut you know our brain's gonna be like oh hazelnut do we know what that is no it doesn't understand the zero calorie so that's fasting goal number one keep insulin low fasting goal number two we want to tap into our stored fat for fuel because you know like like i talked about when i did keto way back in 2014 and lost zero pounds and i was like in super duper ketosis and losing no weight it's because i was eating so much fat my body was making all the ketones it wanted from the fat I was eating. And so that I might have felt really energetic and I couldn't sleep, but it, well, I wasn't losing body fat. So if we want to lose body fat, we don't want to just have ketones. We want to tap into our, our body fat for fuel. And so we don't want to put anything into our body during the fast that our body can use for fuel. So that means we're not going to put butter, coconut oil, MCT oil. We're not going to put any of that in our coffee because our body will be like, oh, I'm going to use that instead. I don't need to clear the fat out of my fatty liver. I don't need to get into my stored fat for fuel. I got all the fat I need coming in in my my coffee cup. So we want to tap into our stored fat for fuel. We want to deplete any fat that's in a fatty liver We want to use the fuel that's already in our body. Maybe that's even just glycogen that's in your liver and your body's clearing that out so we can get to to burning stored fat. So don't put any more fuel in while you're fasting. Great. And then fasting goal number three, we want to have um, increased autophagy. Autophagy is our body's cellular housekeeping where it's like recycling old junky proteins and cleaning stuff up. 
And what turns that off? Well, eating protein also turns off autophagy. So we don't want to do anything that'll interfere with autophagy. And so we don't want to take in anything that contains protein during the fast. You know, save your pre-workouts, your post-workouts, your whatever protein supplements, your amino acids. Keep those in your eating window. You know, your body... Your body is going to be recycling old junky proteins and it can build new things out of the ones it recycled. You don't have to immediately take them in after working out. Your body's got stuff on hand already and it's not going to tear your muscles down, your valuable muscle tissue. It's going to use the junky ones that that like excess skin when you're losing weight, stuff like that. And so we don't have anything that would halt autophagy. Like we don't want to have bone broth, for example, that would, that would halt autophagy because it's got protein. Yeah. Very well explained. I love that. Generally speaking, the coffee, the coffee thing is not the hill that I'm willing to die on. Mostly due to the wrath that I incur from my clients who who just rail against me. And I did have. Oh, a, I will die on that hill. I know you will. <laughs> I have, I have the clean fast challenge and fast feast repeat. And the clean fast challenge is for the people who think it's not making a difference. So you know, when I back up and talk about my own weight loss journey, I lost the first seventy five pounds, and I. I wasn't fast and clean, but I was determined. Every single day, I white knuckled it to my eating window opening. Every single day, I was putting stevia in my coffee. I was chewing gum. I was drinking flavored water. I was drinking Zevia soda. And I lost 75 pounds doing that. And if anyone had said, well, you really shouldn't do that, I would have said, it works for me. It works for me, except it really wasn't working very well. I was slowly starting to regain weight in 2015 into 2016 over the Christmas holidays, the 20s, I've regained about eight pounds that I had lost, just like every other low calorie diet. Because I really do believe that if you're not fasting clean, it's more along the lines of a low calorie diet than fasting. Then I read the obesity code, it came out in March of 2016. Then I understood the cephalic phase insulin response. And then I was like, oh, so I stopped with the stevia because he actually in the obesity code talks about how stevia caused a higher insulin response than white sugar. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, he misses, he really doesn't talk about cream like, like I really think you should, but I mean, like dairy causes insulin response. And so, I, you know, dairy is the perfect, nature's perfect. I'm not anti-dairy. Don't get me wrong here. I am not anti-dairy. I'm anti-dairy during the fast. Dairy is nature's perfect food for building a mammal baby at the rate, their highest rate of growth ever. Yep. Does that sound like fasting? That's right. It's not. Yep. So, <laughs> so I really do think, you know, the clean fast challenge for anybody who was like me before I read the obesity code and would have sworn that whatever it was they're using works for them. Take the clean fast challenge for 30 days. You're going to, your mind is going to be so blown away at how much easier fasting is. And you're never going to go back to whatever it was you were doing. You're going to be like, all right, Jen was right. Darn it. (laughs) (laughs) Darn it. It's probably a good thing that we're waiting so long to release this episode. So you can skip town in the meantime when all the coffee drinkers come with their pitchforks. No, I'm used to it. It's okay. It's all right. (laughs) Save your hot milkshake for your eating window. (laughs) Uh, That's hilarious. No, again, it's, it's not usually 
something I'll, I'll, I'll make the main thing, but I, I, I diagnose people in stalls all the time. And I had one of my clients over this winter, she was all stalled out and she was having cream in her coffee. And it was yeah. not easy to suggest that maybe she reduced that and just have black coffee. But it turns out she was probably drinking more cream than the actual coffee. Anyway, it was yeah. way more than what she thought it initially was. And at first she was just happy that she was saving money. But then of course the weight loss continued and went yeah. just like clockwork, really, um, really pretty, um, consistently after that. So I do think that's a good step for a lot of people, despite, I think if you're not, if you're not fasting clean, if you're putting creamer in your coffee, you are doing a low calorie diet. So you're going to miss out on those metabolic benefits that come along from the actual fast. You know, it just because it's a liquid form doesn't mean that it's, you know, not calories for the body. So it's, it's really like a very ultra low calorie diet if you're putting something like that in your, in your coffee. So be a little, send them to me, Casey. I'll tell them. <laughs> okay, perfect. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> Tougher skin than I have. I love it. Um, well, look, because I, because I've heard it from thousands of people now that it really has made a difference. And I really think that like one of the reasons people struggle when I, when I meet people and they're like, well, I tried fasting and it didn't work for me. I'm always like, well, tell me what you were drinking. And it's always like monster energy drinks or I was putting cream in my coffee because I saw a video that said you could, or I heard that 50 calories didn't break the fast. And it's always that they weren't fasting clean. And also, usually they didn't give enough, enough time. They're like, well, I did it for two weeks and it was really, really hard and I didn't lose any weight. And I'm like, well, you didn't give it long enough. You didn't adapt and you weren't fasting clean. So again, that goes back to the 28-day fast start day by day. Every day there's a checklist, like day one checklist. Number one, I fasted clean. They checked that off. And they're making that commitment to themselves by checking it off. They're like feeling, okay, I've decided I'm fasting clean. One of the things is I didn't get on the scale today because mm. we're not going to weigh during the 28-day fast start because that is not the time to expect weight loss. That's the time for your body to adapt. And so just, you know, things like that, like, you know, I did not turn to food for comfort those types of things yeah. to really get them off to the right start. Mm, I love that. It's, it's very well laid out. I love what you did. You know, I've only been able to read the, the table of contents in the first little sample that you have since the book isn't out yet, but I love how you laid it out by time. And I really wanted to focus mm -hmm. on kind of the first, you know, area. And then also the very end when somebody's kind of transitioning off, what do they transition on to? So let's talk yep. about the preparation to, to the, the 28 day, you know, fast start diet. How, how are people preparing? So they're ready for this. Well, they're preparing by, you know, really coming up with their why, crafting their why, understanding why they're doing it. And I've got like some suggested things for to check off. One of them is weight loss. You know, I, I understand most of us just come to intermittent fasting for weight loss. However, there's so much more to it. So it's other things like, you know, I want to age well. I want to be active as, you know, as a grandparent or I want to feel good in my clothes. It's things like that. And then there's places for people to write in their own. You know, maybe they want to have good brain health. You know, they want to prevent um, metabolic problems. But there are many, many reasons why someone might want to start intermittent fasting. Even it's just, you know, you don't have to think about food all day. That's You have better mental clarity. That might be one of your why statements. Then um, I, I have people you know, really understand the clean fast before they get started. And then they choose their plan. And it's the same plan that was in Fast Feast Repeat, the, you know, the same exact ones. Because remember, this is a companion book. So they're choosing, you know, they can choose to ease in or they could have a middle-of-the-road approach. They can rip off the Band-Aid and it tells them exactly what, what to do. And they every day they're like, all right, this is the plan I'm following. They check that off each day as well. And you really, you just start. You don't have to do a lot of preparation. You, you understand the clean fast and then you just begin. You know, I have a friend who started her first day on Christmas Day. 
That was the first day she did intermittent fasting, Great. Christmas day. She's like, you know what? I can do it. I'll just wait. I'll eat. I'll eat in a window. Bam. She did intermittent fasting on Christmas day. I mean, I do intermittent fasting on Christmas day too, because I do it every day. I might have a longer window on Christmas day, but I still have a window of some sort. And I don't eat from first thing in the morning till as I'm going to bed. I just have that condensed in a window. So there every day, you don't have to do a lot to get ready for it. You don't have to buy a thing. You don't have to clean out your pantry. It's not like anything else where you have to throw everything away and start over and now you're going to eat perfect. I actually suggest that people not change what they're eating for the first 28 days because it's just too much. You know, we've all tried to do a million things at one time and then we're like so overwhelmed we end up doing nothing. So it goes both ways. If someone's been eating really, really clean and then they start intermittent fasting, I don't want them to just reintroduce all the crap and start intermittent fasting. No, continue eating really, really clean and include the intermittent fasting. But if you've been eating the standard American diet, keep doing that for now. Start the intermittent fasting. As time goes on, you're probably going to find some of those things you used to really like no longer appeal to you. Like with me, here I am eating mostly whole food plant-based, completely that way at home. Unless it's like, you know, my son's birthday, we had a cake. I, you know, I'm not going to be like, I can't eat cake. No, I'm going to eat the cake with joy. But I've gotten this way because of how good I feel. Yep. After I had that lobster roll and fries, after I went out to eat with my husband last week, I felt really puffy and sluggish. I didn't feel my best. And I'm like, oh, I don't like to eat like that very often. Yeah. It was no big deal. But I've naturally gravitated towards eating better foods. I didn't force it. And I don't do it because I'm on a diet. I just really like like to eat good quality foods that make me feel amazing. Yeah, I see that all the time. If you get anywhere on this path and at least start, like you said, um, I think you'll find that it really self-regulates by the way that you feel. Yep. I, I think that's a really um, encouraging way to approach this without making people, making people yeah. feel like they're intimidated. They have to change everything. Don't worry about that right now. Let's just cut back. One thing that can Well, be and can I also say the one thing that differentiates my approach from literally every other fasting book out there Every fasting book pretty much out there is also aligned with a dietary strategy. Like, for example, if I say Jason Fung, everybody goes low carb. If I say mastering diabetes, everyone goes whole food plant-based, low fat. And, and those are both fasting books. You know, you go to any of the fasting books that are out, there's a dietary strategy attached to it where you're also going to be limiting foods and dieting and eating certain things and not other things. Whereas with my approach, I understand that, you know, you said you're really um, a lot, you, you follow more of a keto carnivore-ish kind of a way. And that makes you feel great. And versus here I am over here, whole food plant-based-ish, right? And I feel great. But there are people who don't know how their body's going to feel the best. And so if they read, you know, the Diabetes Code by Jason Fung, this low-carb, high-fat approach, and then they feel like crap, they'll be like, oh, well, fasting didn't work for me. Well, they were also trying to follow this dietary strategy that their body didn't like versus same with mastering diabetes. Maybe they read that and it's got the fasting component and they're trying to do, you know, whole food, plant-based, low-fat, and it's just too much. And they're like, well, fasting didn't work for me. But with my approach, we start with the fasting and then you get curious about what works for your body and you start to connect how you feel. And it's not Jen Stevens telling you, well, I feel better on low, lower fat, whole food, plant-based. So why don't you all try that? No, 
it's, it's, you know, what, what feels right to you. And in our community, we have people all along the continuum in our, our intermittent fasting community. There are carnivore members of our community. I would never tell them not to be carnivore because they look so healthy. They feel so good. It's working for them. But on the opposite end, we've got vegans. I mean, I, I would not call myself a vegan. You know, I'm not, you know, like dogmatic about what I eat. I just like to feel good most of the time. And I'm structuring my eating in a way that does that for me. And then we have everyone in between. And so our our central focus is fasting and finding the foods that make you feel your best over time. Don't follow me around and eat what I eat. You figure out what makes you feel great. Yeah. And it's making people empowered to do that. Yeah, I like that. Well, Jen, I don't know. Should we like not be friends? Like maybe we should like fight for the rest of the podcast <laughs> since we have different diets. I don't think we can be friends anymore. <laughs> oh, that's that's really funny. I was listening to Rich Roll. Do you ever listen yeah, to Rich Roll? Yeah, I good love day. Rich Roll. And he's a vegan and he's yep. also an ultra marathoner. And, you know, I never used to listen to podcasts, but he's got such good, good guests on there. I really enjoyed them. But he had somebody on there that... um a type one diabetic. It wasn't Robbie or Cyrus from Mastering Diabetes. It was another guy who does some kind of physiology, something or other. Maybe he was Australian. I can't remember, but he was talking to him. And that guy came through the keto paleo world and now he's vegan. Wow. But it all just it had to do it. He was experimenting with his body. But they had an interesting discussion about getting in these diet silos, right? And you get so dogmatic about it that you don't realize that there are a lot of things that make us different biologically. There was a really great talk, someone named Denise Minger. Have you ever heard of Denise yeah, Minger? Absolutely. And she's paleo low carb, right? That's she's right. in the paleo low carb world. Well, she did a talk and gosh, I'm not sure when she did the talk. It was years ago. You can find it on YouTube. If you search Denise Minger um, in defense of low fat, she did a talk at like a paleo or low carb conference where she shared the data about the power of extreme low fat diets. And these weren't even like really good quality low fat diets. It was like the Kempner rice diet where they had like, they ate nothing but right, white rice and sugar, but they were reversing. He worked at Duke University, which is not fly by night. And, you know, his patients lost lots, like 150 pounds and reverse their diabetes. I mean, it was like they were having remarkable results. So wow. Denise really unpacked a lot of that research. And she talked about how the metabolic magic seems to be at either end of the continuum. It's fascinating talk. I learned so much watching it. And anyone who's stuck in a diet silo should probably watch it. Denise Minger in Defense of Low Fat, it's on YouTube. But she talked about the two ends, like being the metabolic magic. And in the middle... Like no matter which end, which silo you live in, as far as, you know, what makes you feel your best, we could all agree the middle is where the metabolic problems happen. That's when people right. are eating high, high fat and high carb and the ultra processed food and all the crap. And that's, she called that like the metabolic swampland or something. Yep. So a fascinating talk. And I'm really, really impressed by her as someone who just would take a look at the science, because what we we tend to do is, you know, if you're in one camp or the other camp, you tend to say, well, all their science is just wrong. Right. And they're all super dumb and interpreting it wrong. And their studies are bad. And but our science is good, except, you know, this study wasn't done right. I mean, you know, we love to do all that and, and realize that there are actually people who can thrive on either end. Do you know the, um, the bioptimizers guys? 
Um, I'm going to be interviewing them soon. I just got their book, which is amazing. Have you seen? Oh, I've got it right down here. They sent me a copy too. It's huge, huge. Did it come in that like box with the fork and the stuff in there? Did you get like the whole box? That's cool. No, I didn't. It came in an envelope. I got a. I got a special edition, but it came in a packaged in a box with like a knife and a fork and a spoon and it's autographed and um, I partnered with them. But the the two guys that wrote that book together that founded the company by optimizers, one of them is keto and the other one is vegan. Yeah. Just heard that actually super interesting. And they, they are like, they've been working together and they're just like, like Wade Lightheart. He's the one I think that's the vegan and he is like a bodybuilder and he is like strong. And so, you know, they, they really explore and understand the idea that we're not all the same. So. Yeah. Well, we're for sure interviewing Wade. I think they said that Matt was going to be with him as well. So that would be an amazing topic of conversation. And I did have to get out my podcasting calendar to check and and just double check, but we are interviewing Denise two days before this interview drops. We'll be interviewing her. So it'll be a few weeks afterwards that we'll drop that episode as well. So well, tell her that Jen Stevens is a fan because I really enjoyed her in defense of low fat talk. And I've shared it with people. Somebody got really mad in my community and left because I, somebody in a silo who we've just heard the only way, if you've got diabetes, you, the only way to reverse that is to do low carb, high fat. Whereas the mastering diabetes guys are getting amazing results with people. And you know, you can't fake a type one diabetic, a type one diabetic has to inject insulin. So when a type one diabetic is eating a certain way and their insulin requirements go down, you know, it's, it's working. Like everyone would probably predict that if you're eating whole food, plant-based, low fat, you're going to need more insulin yep. because you're having, but that's actually not what they find. Yep. So yep. <laughs> again, like Denise said, it's that metabolic swampland in the middle. It's the fat and the carbs together yep. that are causing a problem. And, you know, when you think about it, think about in nature, the foods that we eat from nature, if you're eating seasonally, for you know, think about that. And you're like, you're a hunter gatherer living a long, long time ago. You're either eating kind of carnivore because that's what you got right now, or you're eating completely whole food plant-based because it's the growing season. So maybe we're designed to be cyclical. Maybe we're supposed to be carnivore in the winter and whole food plant-based in the summer. I don't know. It's yeah. a theory. I just made it up, but it makes I, sense. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I agree with you. Um, it is that combination of the two together that seems to just jam up the system and not make anything yeah. really work well. And all of us could agree, like ultra processed foods is full of that kind of junk. They're just, not good for they're anybody. Not yeah. They're not great. Yeah, exactly. Um, so again, your book kind of goes chronologically through the different weeks. There's different topics. Yeah. Obviously you, you're not introducing any type of exercise or movement until later down the road, which is great. And then we come to the book that is, um, or the chapter that is basically, you know, week five now, okay, we've completed the 28 days. W- what is life going to look like now? So my question is, is a fasting quote unquote fasting lifestyle. Is that something that can be done long-term without much problem? I mean, you seem to be doing oh, it yeah. quite well, no problem. It absolutely needs to be a lifestyle. And that's the thing. If you do intermittent fasting for four weeks, and then you quit. You've just like gotten your body adapted. And then what are you doing? You know, you know it's something that you, you want to keep doing. Like we're recording this. It's four o'clock in the afternoon. I haven't eaten yet today. Yeah. And I feel fabulous. I'm having no fogginess, no trouble. I could, you know, go jump on my little mini trampoline when we get off, I could jump on that for 15 minutes when we're done. I have plenty of energy for that. Intermittent fasting just, it opens up my day and I feel so good. 
while I'm fasting, but I also feel great after I eat because I'm eating foods that don't make me sluggish, that make me feel wonderful. And I would never want to live another way. Like if I can't imagine what the the reason would be, but let's say I went to the doctor and they're like, you've got whatever it is, you can never do fasting again. I mean, I can't think of anything that would make me not be able to do fasting, but I'm 54. Let's say I was pregnant. I can't do fasting while you're pregnant. That couldn't happen anyway. But let's let's just, I would be really sad that I couldn't do fasting because totally. I, I, I don't, I, I would all be tempted to like sneak and do fast. It just feels so good. You know, all those crazy diets that I did back in the day, the HCG, the diet pills, the restrictive diets, they felt awful. They got harder and harder as time went by. I didn't feel healthy. I didn't feel vibrant. I didn't feel good. That's the opposite of how I feel with intermittent fasting. You know, I can keep up with anybody. You know, we went to San Francisco. We have a um, a 25-year-old son and his wife. They live in downtown San Francisco. And we walked all over the place. And I only had on flip-flops because that's just, I guess, how I roll. So I walked like 10 miles a day in my flip-flops. We walked all the way to the top of Coit Tower from the ferry building. We walked from the ferry building up those stairs. I kept up with them. And, you know, for a 54-year-old woman, and I hadn't eaten. I was in the fasted state. And I'm just, you know, able to do whatever I ask my body to do. So if you want to feel your best, intermittent fasting as a lifestyle is really the way to do it. Yeah. It's exactly that situation that you and I talked about when we first chatted vacations. Like when you hear about somebody's vacation and it sounds like, like what, what vacation did you take? You went from one cafe to another place to grab your snacks to a place for lunch. You go to Disneyland and all you're doing is like eating. It seems like Like go, go have fun, go do the rides, go explore something cool. And fasting definitely allows you to do that right before recording this podcast um, was about kind of my normal eating window that I would eat my first meal. And I just thought, you know what, if I eat right now, Jen's going to be so furious with me. I better wait. I'll fast a little bit longer for our conversation. And it's just nice. I would not be mad at all because you can do whatever you want. (laughs) You're the best. (laughs) Uh, It's just, you're right. Like once you get to the, 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 kind of way of life where your energy is divorced from the food that you're eating. It's, it's just that they're yep. not related. Do you want to go on a walk? Do you want to eat? Do you want to be productive at work? Like it's just not that big of a deal. And fasting is, is mm-hmm. something that can give that to us. So uh, just, I, I know how busy you are. I'm so grateful that you'd be able to come back on our show today and tell us about your new work, which is amazing. Where can people go to find you and connect with you and your work? Well, if you go to jenstevens.com, everything is linked from that. And Jen is G-I-N, like gin and tonic. Stevens is Stevens with a P-H, jenstevens.com. Um, you have their links to publish all my books. Go ahead and pre-order it now. You'll have it on December 26th. Definitely people pre-order it. And even if you think intermittent fasting didn't work for you and you tried it before, you're going to set yourself up for success this time. 28-day fast start day by day. Go ahead and pre-order it. And if you're someone who already does intermittent fasting, this is the book you're going to want to have to hand to a friend because your friend might not be ready for Fast Feast Repeat. I've heard a lot of people, they gave their friend Fast Feast Repeat or they gave it to their mom and their mom never read it. And so, of course, it didn't didn't work out. But 28-day fast start day by day is going to set you, if you're listening, or your friend or your mom or whoever it is, set them up for success from day one. And um, you're going to finally understand why you want to live an intermittent fasting lifestyle and not stop. 
Yeah. Well, you do such a good job in the introduction of telling the reader what to expect and what not to expect. And like, yes, if you want to learn a little bit more, this is not gen- like trying to sling more books, but you may want to get both books so you really yeah. comprehend this. Well, but you if- do. If, if someone is only going to buy one book, they need Fast Feast Repeat. Like, seriously. And I actually say that in there. If you're only going to buy one book, then you need Fast Feast Repeat. But you're not going to have the support on the, tw- the through the, the 28 days. Yeah. And in fact... Publishers Weekly, I guess they like they sent them an early copy and they reviewed it and the re- reviewer didn't like it and they said seems like you should just buy the other book. I'm like I literally said that in there. Yes, <laughs> I said if you're only going to buy one, buy the other one. Yep. But I mean, this is you know it's it's a small investment. The money you save on lattes <laughs> the first month will make it worth your while to you know. It, it's not expensive at all, and you're going to save money. Like I said, the, the breakfast you don't buy going out to eat, you save the cost of the book right away. And so I, I think people, you know, they need 28-day fast start day by day, but you will also need Fast Feast Repeat because as you continue, that is really going to be your handbook. And I really think you need the paperback of each of them. Um, you know, some people like the audiobook, and I think 28-day fast start day by day if you get the audiobook, you absolutely also really need the paperback. You may want both together to hear me read each daily lesson to you. That'll work fine. We also, oh, each day we have a, um, a inspirational story from a past intermittent fasting stories guest, which I really like. Like it might say, you know, like Joe Blow, extra, or episode 47, you know, and then it'll be like updates since episode 47 and some advice from the um from that guest. So you also can listen to that podcast episode that day if you want to. Very cool. Yeah, that's very cool. It does seem like one that you would want to have around just as such a practical guide that you could jot in and take notes in and really well, you write in, in it. Yeah, exactly. You're supposed yeah. to write in it. Yeah. So it would be nice to have the audiobook if you want to listen, but it's as a companion. Yeah. So I hope nobody gets the audiobook only. Yeah, but- perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jen Stevens, this has been another wonderful conversation. Thank you again for taking time out of your very busy life to chat with us today and help us learn about intermittent fasting. So thank you very much. It's been an honor to host you again. Well, thank you. I was happy to be here. Awesome. And this has been another episode of Balanced Body Radio. As always, thank you so very much for listening to Boundless Body Radio. I know I say this all the time, but I really do mean it. It has been such a joy to make and produce this podcast and to watch it grow. Our business started in the pandemic in July of 2020, and we started the podcast in October of 2020. So it has been three years now, and to see that we have generated over 400,000 downloads worldwide is just simply unbelievable to me. This year in particular has been such a blast to travel to different health conferences and not only meet some of our amazing guests, but also to meet many of you, our listeners and supporters. We really just can't thank you enough. As always, feel free to book a complimentary 30-minute session on our website, which is myboundlessbody.com. On our homepage, there is a book now button where you can find a time to speak with us about health, fitness, nutrition, whatever you like. We've loved chatting with people all over the world and many of you out there to bounce ideas off each other or to try to come up with plans to achieve specific goals, or even if it's just to reach out to introduce yourselves, we would just love to meet you and connect with you there. Also be sure to check out our YouTube channel if you'd like to watch these full interviews and also the shorter interviews on more specific topics that are taken from these full interviews. We've gotten really good feedback over there. It's also a really 
fun way to interact with people who comment. We read and reply to every single YouTube comment we get. So head on over there if you want to start a conversation and watch these um, videos. As always, if you haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple. It really is the best way to make sure this podcast gets out there to more listeners. We've been able to keep Boundless Body Radio ad-free for three years and really want to continue to do so. And so your five-star ratings and reviews are the best way to support us at Boundless Body and support the podcast. Cheers. Thank you again so very much for listening to Boundless Body Radio.